Kirk, every time I look out these windows, I am just more and more impressed with everything I'm looking at, whether it's the yes. scoreboard or the roof or the field or the uniforms. Just it's, it, Everything is so brand new and so amazing. You and I just had a moment that was straight out of Star Trek a second ago yeah. when we figured out how to open up the windows here in yes. our booth. I, 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 there, there are probably a billion things in here that are more impressive than how these windows open, but I could not be more impressed by watching these things just slide open on wheels. It's amazing. Uh, this everything is, about it. Yeah, this is state-of-the-art, man. Everything about the stadium, you walk in and you just kind of get a feel that this is not something that's new. I mean, it's, it's like we – I have never seen it before, right? It's just everywhere you look, it's like something like, wow, I can't believe you did that. Like this, the different decks, the different tiers – um, I'm still able to look out and see what's going on on the outside. Yeah, right? the, you can see the sky. As, as silly as that sounds because yeah. it, it's covered. <laughs> but, for instance, when you and I went to Atlanta when the Rams went to the Super Bowl a couple right, of years ago, yes. the Mercedes-Benz Dome is state-of-the-art and right. beautiful, and it's got that little thing at the center that kind of opens up and you can right. look out. But, obviously, it's the Super Bowl. It's at night. It's in winter, so it was closed. And it, while spectacular, it feels like you're inside. Yes. This does not feel like this. This feels like you are outside because if you look to our left here, you can look out and see the sky. You look to the right, you see the sky. You look up and you see the sky through the transparent roof. It's it's indoor and it's perfectly climate controlled, but you're also outside. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Um, I think DeMarco Farr said it best. You, you do feel like you're in like Manhattan Beach out on a patio, right? Where's the spirits? Yeah, I, that's what I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, you really feel like it's like the outdoor patio seating. And we know with COVID-19 and the rules and uh, different restaurants not allowing people to eat inside, this kind of feels like, hey, you're outside, but yet you you're inside. It's just like it's the the best of both worlds. You feel the still the the temperature that's outside. You feel that in here, and that's I think that's that's kind of it's kind of cool, man. Because you want a controlled environment, and I think the fans are going to appreciate it when they allow fans to come into the stadium because. We've been through those L.A. Coliseum days where it is hot, Travis. It is hot, and you can feel the heat. But I think here in this nice, controlled environment, I think everybody is going to be uh, – they're going to love walking into this stadium. Yeah, and, and I can't wait for Sunday Night Football. Two weeks from tomorrow, they'll open up the season against the Dallas Cowboys. And, of course, it was going to be the Dallas Cowboys for – take your pick. Because, A, it's the Cowboys, America's team, right? B, Part of the reason the Rams are here in L.A. again is because Jerry Jones had a big part to do with it. And there's no way Jerry Jones is maybe the, whether we can call him de facto, the shadow commissioner, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> Jerry Jones is calling a lot of shots in the NFL. Right. And there's no way you're opening up a new place like this and Jerry Jones isn't having his team in the <laughs> middle of it. I'm surprised. He may uh, even do the coin toss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hold your breath, yeah, right? Don't hold your breath. He may do the coin toss. We'll see. But. You know, it is, you know, the story franchise of the Cowboys. You know, they had a stadium that was built. I can't believe that stadium has been around for 11 years. He's probably years getting ready to build a new one. Yeah, it's brand new. I know they did it for the baseball team. I'm right. Like, I thought the ballpark in Arlington, they just built it. Then they built a new stadium. So, um, but I think this is just the crown jewel of California. I know the 49ers, they had a stadium built, and I've been to Levi's, but this is. I mean, you're talking about 10 times over from what Levi's Stadium is. I mean, this video board, this um, Samsung SoFi Stadium scoreboard, it's I've never seen this before. It's about, I can't describe it, it's like 10 different monitors you can watch, and you never feel like you're away from the game. So it's almost to a point I'm watching 
you want to watch the game on the field, but yet you look up and it's this beautiful screen. Yeah, HD. It, it's hard not to look at the TV, even though the actual <laughs> product is right here below us, because it's just so crystal clear. And and like you said, no matter where you're sitting, high, low, in the middle, or anywhere, you have a perfect view of it. I, I'll go all the way back to like you talked about when. The Rams first came back to Los Angeles, and we saw drawings for this right. place. We saw schematics. You know, I don't remember if you and I talked about. It. I don't think we went together, but they had their facility in in the South Bay where you could go and get like a season ticket presentation. And right, they I showed you the mock up right. and all those things. And I remember going through it and just being blown away. But it was a concept. It, it hadn't been built yet. It was one of those things. Yeah, okay, this is cool. You put together a nice video. You got me hyped up. I get it, but I'm going to need to see it. It's better than the video. Yeah. It, it's more grand than the video. It's more spectacular than whatever you were thinking it was going to be. It's better than that. Yeah, I think I just want to just go walk around. I think just the, a stadium tour and not just going down to the field, but just looking at all the amenities here, right? I'm looking at, uh, it looks like a beach house over there. It's like a, a, a two-story yeah, beach house. Nice. That's what it is. And like, I guess it's uh, just so many different tiers to it. Um, you know, we're coming We're uh, right now at the home radio booth. And our vantage point is you get a just it, it's a perfect setting where you can see the entire field. Uh, it's just I don't know where there's a bad seat in this place. I don't know if they made one here. And I just can only imagine when they host the Super Bowl here in a couple of years to see this thing filled all the way up to the top. And, you know, bowl games, college games are going to be here as well. Concerts. I mean, we don't even talk about. The, this isn't just for football, right? No. We, we know football is going to be the main priority, but the other events that are going to be here, Travis, and just to think about the acoustics in this place, right? I mean, just seeing some of the big acts that we think will be here. I can't wait to come here for a concert as well. Oh, sure. we got the Rams. You've got the Chargers. You've got <laughs> yeah. the Super Bowl coming. You have to imagine they're going to play the Pro Bowl here before yeah. too long. The national, uh, the college football playoff national championship game will be played here. The Olympics are just around the corner, believe it or not, coming to L.A. in right. 2028. So you're going to have the Olympics in here. It's just going to be one of those things. And, and what's so extraordinary, too, is it feels like it's been here. Even right. though it's, it's sparkling brand new, it just feels like it's belonged here for an incredibly long time. Um, we're looking at this right now. We're watching the Rams score. We just saw Tyler Higby catch a touchdown pass right there. Let's kind of jump in right there. Tyler Higby really got going in the second half last year. Right. He went from a guy that was out there that Jared Goff would throw the ball to occasionally that would play about half the time, but Gerald Everett was kind of their tight end as far as the offensive weapon would go. Then it changed about halfway through the season. Tyler Higby became the guy. He was the guy that not only was the number one tight end target, but he was one of the number one targets for Jared Goff, period. Do you expect him to pick up where he left off? Absolutely. I, I, I think that he honestly became the number one tight end. And to me, he was always kind of the, the, the tight end who was the blocker, but you kind of throw him a pass here or there. But to me, he really took off. Look, Tyler Higby's going into his fifth year now, Travis. We've seen him. He was part of that Jared Goff draft class of 2016. He was the fourth-round pick. And I remember watching him at Eastern uh, Eastern Kentucky, or sorry, Western Kentucky, WKU. He was at Western Kentucky. And I was like, you know, I did a game there, and I'm like, man, this tight end's pretty good. If you got to feed him a little bit. But that wasn't part of what? Jeff Fisher's offense, right? He came, what offense? <laughs> remember, that's what he was drafted to. He was drafted in 2016. And I think with Jerry, uh, I mean, with when Sean McVay came, here the first two years he was still trying to figure out how do I use Tyler Higby like this wasn't a tight end that I've used before because he drafted Gerald Everett which he thought was going to be his guy kind of similar to how McVay had with a guy like Jordan Reed who's a mm-hmm. tight end in Washington 
and that was how the tight end position was going to be played. But Tyler Higby, to his credit, just kept his head down. And I think his crowning moment or his, his moment where it really clicked for him was that NFC Championship game. You know, going against New Orleans, he had a couple of huge catches. Uh, I believe he had a touchdown that day as well to kind of get the Rams going. And, you know, they end up going to the Super Bowl. And a lot of it had to do with what he was able to do. And then put it like this, Travis, his first four years, I mean, his first three years in the NFL, he only had, what, I believe 60 catches, Okay. Last year he had 69 catches. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of put there, like, he had more catches in one season than he had his first three combined. That's why I believe that they're going to make him a focal point within this offense and a guy that they can lean on and not just have to worry about the wide receivers. You mentioned that, you know, that NFC Championship game against the Saints a couple of years ago. Well, last year the Rams had a 9-7 and seven season. They missed the playoffs. They were the last team to not get in. Let's pick it up right there. Let's start with that. Expectations for this upcoming season. Expectations for the NFC West and where the Rams might fit in. That's coming up next on the Rams 2020 Preview Special on 710 ESPN. All right, Kirk, let's start with a tweet right here. This one comes from Marco Enriquez, who says, it looks so good, it almost looks fake. Can't wait till they open. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I (laughs) I mentioned that at the beginning. When you come through uh, the gates and you come in, it feels like you're walking into Madden. It feels yeah. like it's a video game. It doesn't feel like you're you're actually at a football stadium where a fo- it feels like you're getting like where's the controller? Where's my headset? How do I start? It doesn't feel real. That's how good it looks. Yeah, it doesn't. It just like to me, I'm still just taking it all in because you can look at some of the uh, video signage, and I think that's one of the things that um, when you come to the stadium, it is all digitized because they have to flip it. For when the Chargers are playing here, right? Because that's what you, one thing you're like, a lot of the permanent signage is not here mm-hmm. because I saw pictures of this week when the Chargers came in for their scrimmage. They didn't end up scrimmaging. They ended up uh, just being here and just kind of walking around, getting a feel for the facility that everything looked as if this was a Chargers stadium, right? Because of the signage and how it's all digitized and it makes it for an easier switch. And I remember playing in MetLife, the new MetLife stadium, um, and that's how they do it for the Jets and the Giants. Like, you're like, wow, I can't believe it. really feels like this is just a Jet stadium. And then when mm-hmm. you play the Giants, it's, oh, wow, it looks like just a Giant stadium. So they're going to make it feel like who's ever that home team, you're going to feel as if this is the, all the signage, everything looks like the Rams, but just with the switch of a button, it feels like it could definitely be the Chargers stadium. So that's something that um, I knew that they were going to do, but just to see it in person, it, it, it just puts a great touch on it. It really is extraordinary. And we're two weeks away from the start of the season. Let's, let's kind of go through this. We know that they're going to open up with the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football two right. weeks from tomorrow. They're going to play their first divisional game not until October 18th. That's the first time they're going to see an NFC West opponent. They'll be in San Francisco for that one. Yeah. The NFC West, I think if you ask just about anybody that covers the NFL, will tell you that this is probably the best division in football right now. You've got the defending NFC champ 49ers the year before the Rams had gone to the Super Bowl we know what the Seahawks are they're good every single year as long as Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are up there they're going to be a handful you've got the number one overall draft pick two years ago in Kyler Murray who for a rookie had a pretty good start they just gave him arguably the best wide receiver in football and DeAndre Hopkins is a weapon you really look at that schedule you're going to have six games against your division opponents and there is not an easy mark on that schedule no I think this is the toughest division in all of the NFL the NFC West this year and I think we just look at the quarterbacks, right? We can name those quarterbacks. Jared Goff is, was one of them, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo had a, a, a great season last year. And, and I know people are going to look at his performance in the Super Bowl, 
But I still look at what he did throughout the season, and he put that San Francisco team on his back throughout some games. And, and look, he utilized his running game, his tight end, and a lot of it was because of his throws too. So you have those two, and then throw in Kyler Murray, the young gun, and it's a guy to me who I think is still the best quarterback in the NFL. Now, a lot of people say, what about Patrick Mahomes, the MVP? Trust me, I've seen Russell Wilson do it year after year after year. I still want that guy first. Patrick Mahomes is only three years in. I want to see him continue the success that he's having, but I know what I'm getting from number three in Seattle every single week, Travis. And so that's where I think about how difficult this division is just because of the quarterbacks. And then you talk about some of the individual players, like a DeAndre Hopkins who now – enters this division, but you think about Jalen Ramsey, who's going to be probably uh, matched up with him when the season comes along when the Rams play against the Arizona Cardinals. Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa. No. Yeah. Wow. I mean, <laughs> yeah, George you, Kittle. You could just start naming yeah. just the players throughout the division. I mean, DK Metcalf. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, With Seattle. So I think now when you look at, you know, I've had this debate with a lot of people. They're saying, well, what about the NFC East or the, the the AFC North? And I'm like, nah, I'm telling you, top to bottom, the NFC West can have, I think, two teams – or, sorry, three teams in the playoffs. Yeah, with that expanded format, with that extra team coming in. And you, 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 cause put it, I mean, who knows? The, the right. NFL is the greatest league in, in our country for one simple reason is – we, if we're being perfectly honest, okay, we have no idea who's going to be good. No, we we, Never we have we, about half the teams that went last year will go again, and half the teams that did not only will probably miss, but probably won't be like, very like, good. Yeah, that's how it goes in this league. That's what makes it so much fun. Unless you're the Browns, you know that you have a chance to go and right. do something well, and it, because it just turns over so quickly. But as we look at, it, like I just said. Seattle is Seattle. We know what you're getting right there. You look at the, the Rams. Two years ago, were in the Super Bowl. The 49ers last year were in the Super Bowl. Who is the team to beat? As we sit here right now, two weeks from the start of the season, is there a favorite in the NFC West as we start? San Francisco. Because they're, 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 the, defending yeah, they're the defending champions. Um, tell me what they lost, really. Um, they didn't lose much, but if you look at their wide receiving group, they're, they're hurting. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of wide receivers. They're, they're getting guys off the street now. They're, they're banged up. So I think... The whole team is still, I think, a team that you don't want to play against, but they're going to be hurting at the wide receiver position. It's just tough to really say where each team is going to to kind of put itself together uh, or put itself in, in an order. I, I really don't know, Travis. I just know that the, that the Rams last year, had the expansion of the playoffs been in 2019, the Rams would have made the playoffs. It would have been the seventh seed. They would have had to travel to Green Bay, who was the two seed, and that, to me, would have been a great game for the Rams. I think a game that they could have won and got to the next round of the playoffs. So I love the expansion of the playoffs because I really believe that the NFC West, they're going to cannibalize each other. They're going to eat each other up. They're going to just beat each other up. If the you get through season. the NFC West at 4-2, and two, you did a good job. Yeah, 4-2. Four, yeah, four and two, I mean, we're even talking about 3-3. Three and three. You'd, You'd, be okay with that? You'd be okay with that because, obviously, you know how good your division is but you know how good the rest of the NFC is, right? And so to be able to win three in your division and then go out and win those other games, obviously, outside of division, I really feel that, look, if you get two or three of these teams in the playoffs, you're talking about two two or three of the best teams in the whole entire league. So there are kind of two different ways to look at last season, right? There there is the... The Rams took a major step back. They went from the NFC champions to a team that missed the playoffs. Or... There's this way to look at it, which is the the Rams had a winning season, and they missed the playoffs really 
on a couple of plays. We go back to that game in Seattle. I think, you know, the drizzly, cold Seattle. Right. And Greg Zerline, one of the best kickers in the league, missed a kick he should have made by maybe two footballs. It just barely missed. Just missed. Then you go towards the end of the season when the Rams were playing their best football of the year against San Francisco. San Francisco, we know how good they were. And the Rams lost that game because of a busted coverage late in the game. One, one bad read, one missed assignment, and they hit a long play. They win the game. Two plays go the other way. Two plays, right. and the Rams are not 9-7. and seven. The Rams are 11-5, and five, and they're comfortably in the playoffs, and we're talking about this entirely differently. So is this the team that missed the playoffs and regressed, or is this the team that just barely missed making the playoffs? I believe this is the team that just barely missed the playoffs, and I know some people are going to look at the, what they've lost defensively, but I would say they've got some new blood defensively, right? They went out and drafted well. Like these two safeties, we haven't had a chance to even talk about them mm-hmm. yet. Terrell Burgess and Jordan Fuller, these guys are players, right? You add them into what Taylor Rapp and John Johnson are doing. I think defensively, they're going to have their struggles a little bit at times. But I still feel that this is a, this defense is going to be built for the future. Offensively, I love the running back by committee. I love having three different guys. I thought with Ty Gurley, obviously you knew at some point he was going to wear down. I thought his best years were kind of already past him a little bit in terms of you know what he was able to do. But then when you think about now having the Cam Akers, having the Daryl Henderson and the Malcolm Brown, you're talking about dividing up carries. I think it's going to be something that really, I think, fuels this offense and makes it a lot easier for Jared Goff um, to get the ball down the field because defense are going to have to play honest. I thought last year they couldn't play honest because – you didn't know what you're getting from Todd. Remember, his carries were always between 10 to 15. And, and they didn't throw him the ball. You go back two years ago, he was going to catch six, seven passes a game. And then last year, if he got two, it felt yeah. like a lot. So you, you couldn't do a lot last year offensively. That's why I think that they've retooled some things. And then I think also, too, let's be honest, the expectation around the National Football League is that the, not, the Rams aren't a playoff team. Right. Or the Rams are a fringe playoff team. Right. So with the expectations being that they're kind of playing with house money, let's just go out and play, fellas. Let's just go do our thing. That helps them out tremendously, Travis, because no one's looking at them to have to return back to the Super Bowl. I thought that was a Super Bowl hangover of last year. People trying to put them in a situation where, hey, if you don't make it to the Super Bowl, it's a bad season. Again, like, no, like this season is all about taking care of themselves. That's why I like the position that they're in. Vegas has the Rams as an eight-and-a-half win team. So if you're going to take the over, they're going to win more than they're going to lose. J.B. Long, the voice of the Rams, he is going to join us next. We're out here at SoFi Stadium. SoFi, get your money right. That's all coming up on the Rams 2020 preview special on 710 ESPN. All right, so we are sitting in the spot where J.B. Long and Maurice Jones-Drew are going to be calling the Rams games this upcoming season at SoFi Stadium. And joining us right now, the voice of the Rams, J.B. Long. And J.B. Kirk and I have been talking about it since the moment we walked through the doors. I just cannot get over the grandness, the scope, the beauty of this stadium. You've been in it a few times so far. Has it? Has any of it worn off on you yet? Or every time you come through, is it brand new all over again? So... I am proactively seeking silver linings in all of this and everything we're dealing with in life right now. And I would say the rare opportunity to see you guys in person where I've seen so few of my colleagues in person and we often work from opposite ends of the country or the headsets. So this is a plus. And, And another one I would list is we all wish that this building had opened a year ago. Yeah. And at each stage along the way, there have been setbacks and frustrations and disappointments. 
But if you do spin it positive, um, there have been many opportunities to see this place come to fruition, and there are many more ahead than maybe just a grand opening because the opening will not be as grand as we had all hoped. So uh, great to introduce you to SoFi Stadium. Hopefully this season we can introduce season ticket holders, friends, family, employees to SoFi Stadium, and before too much longer have 70,000 introduced to SoFi Stadium. And each step along the way, Okay, maybe there aren't fireworks flying all at once like we had hoped, but there's a lot of causes for celebration. You've been here numerous times so far, JB, but every time you come in, what's the one thing that just you just cannot take your eyes off of? Well, it's the video board, of course, but what I like about it is unlike when you go to Dallas, where you know previously the largest video board in the world had been housed, right. when I do games there, I have no choice but to watch it you know, the center-hung video board because it's so imposing. It has its own gravitational force, it feels <laughs> right. like. What I love about what they've done here at SoFi is you watch the game live, and even the highest seat in this stadium is closer than its counterpart at the Coliseum would have been. And you have a clear sight line to all four corners of the field. At that point, between plays, between quarters, during timeouts, then you can take in everything else from an entertainment, audiovisual standpoint that this incredible facility has to offer. And oh, by the way, the team that's in charge of programming it in 4K and all the speakers and everything that it has to leverage, um, they put in as much work as you know the, the construction crew here at, at SoFi has in the hopes of you know providing a world-class product on Sunday. J.B. Long, the voice of the Rams, joining us here. Now, let's go to the product on the field that we're going to see. It, believe it or not, it, Kirk and I have talked about this a lot, too. Usually, we get to see a little bit in Irvine. Usually, we get to see a little bit in the preseason games. We're not going to see anything until Sunday night when they take on the Cowboys. The number one thing you're looking for for the 2020 Rams when they hit that field Sunday night against Dallas is... Probably how the defense schemes and matches up. I mean... Right. The frustration of not having uh, preseason games for the, the first year where I feel like Sean McVay's staff really could use it, changing out all three coordinators and especially implementing the new defense with a lot of personnel changes. Uh, again, you have to find a way to spin that positive, which w would be you know McCarthy and Dak and Zeke, and, and the Cowboys haven't seen it either. The closest they can do, Kirk and I have talked about this, is study Vic Fangio and try and translate his principles that you've seen most recently in Denver and Chicago, where Brandon Staley was his understudy, apply those principles to the personnel that the Rams have and, and go from there. Um, the other thing I, I would think is, can you leverage this place somehow as a home field advantage early on? I think the results that we see across the National Football League in September, and especially week one, are going to look a lot like a random results generator. I mean, I think <laughs> these things are going to be scattershot, completely unpredictable and inexplicable. How do you find a way to spin that in your favor? And I think the Rams being here today and last weekend are trying to do just that. If you know where your home hotel is, where you park your car when you drive to the stadium, if you know that your social media account is already chock full of pictures and videos from SoFi Stadium, those are things you don't have to worry about on September the 13th that maybe, just maybe, some members of the Dallas Cowboys might be contending with. You know, JB, how do you describe... Or what, how would you look at this wide receiving group now for the Rams, right? No Brandon Cooks this year. Um, you think about just under Sean McVay, whether it was what Sammy Watkins was here. You think about all the different wide receivers, but yet this group seems to me to be the best that we've seen so far under Sean McVay. How would you describe them? 
Well, it's an interesting time to be asking me that question because uh, I'm a little bit tense right now, mm -hmm. and I'm not trying to break any news. I don't have any inside information, but I have not seen Cooper Cup on the field since the opening drive of this scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And I will be very curious to see what explanation Sean McVay has afterward, and I hope it's nothing like what I'm, what I'm thinking. And, and, and I do, again, I have no indication that it will be an injury-related item. Hopefully it's something different. Um, but I, I preface my comment about Van Jefferson by using that as the backdrop, which is it's not all roses right now for the Rams in the receiving unit. Fortunately, Van Jefferson... I think has been maybe the biggest surprise, pleasant surprise of Rams camp. He's got a lot of competition. I think the, the rookie safeties have been phenomenal. I think Terrell Lewis, since he's come off the COVID-19 list uh, as a rookie on the edge at Alabama, has flashed at times. Cam Akers, I think, has the potential to take over the starting reins at running back before the season is done. Um, but, but right now, I think Van Jefferson fighting up a very competitive depth chart to the point where they're now challenging him against Jalen Ramsey individually and at every receiver position up and down the line of scrimmage to me is a very good early return for the Rams draft class. JB Long, the voice of the Rams here. We're watching the Rams scrimmage here at SoFi Stadium. SoFi, get your money right. We we talked so much last year, JB. Kirk and I, and we would talk to you about it before every game, and we would talk about it during the games. We'd listen to you talk about it during the games. The offensive line and, and the way that it started and the way that it ended was very different. The five guys that were up there, other than Andrew Whitworth, the rest of the pieces really got moved around. What are your expectations for those five guys to start the year? Well, unfortunately, we have to grade on a curve during the month of August because they have to deal with Aaron Donald. And a week ago, uh, he absolutely destroyed the scrimmage. I mean, he wrecked practice. Everything the Rams wanted to do offensively was limited to basically a three-step drop because if it wasn't out on three, you had a chin strap full of Aaron Donald. And that's something that 31 other teams have had to deal with over the course of his career and if you saw hard knocks Jared Goff saying you know those were truly my first as close to live reps as I've ever had against 80-99 and gosh he gets <laughs> probably had enough of them. And, and gosh he gets home fast right <laughs> um, so I say that in that I think I think there are issues and and, right. and now is not the time to have answers to those concerns necessarily uh, but the Dallas pass rush and the way it's constituted currently is going to thoroughly vet the Rams offensive front five up to the extent that Aaron Donald already has and uh, unfortunately for Jared unlike these circumstances here uh, he will not be off limits when the Cowboys come to town in two weeks. Uh, I was telling us earlier to Travis that last year at this time, you're going into a season with Eric Weddle, John Johnson, Marcus Peters, and Aqib Tlaib in your secondary. You fast forward to a year, none of those guys are here except for John Johnson. So now how do you look at this secondary for the Rams with Taylor Rapp a little bit banged up, so we will see about his availability for week one. But now Troy Hill has to go into a starting role position. We know Jalen Ramsey's the lockdown guy, but a brand new secondary really for the Rams. And how do you have you seen? Uh, how do you envision this group for this season? I think it's going to be the key to Brandon Staley's defense in a lot of ways because when you play in this division, the range of offensive schemes and personnel that you have to deal with six times per year demand that you be flexible and matchy, and I think that's what Sean McVay was looking for in his next defensive coordinator. I also think the Rams benefit from a period of NFL roster management whereby um, you get two extra uh, active on game day, one of which has to be an offensive lineman, but you also can basically have a 55-man roster rather than a 53 and the Rams, I think, are in, in good positions um, at places like, uh, let's say, um, 
inside linebacker, at uh, the specialists, at receiver where they may only need to keep four plus Simba Webster, where they can save roster spots, both 53-man and game day, and devote them to the matchups that Brandon Staley wants to play depending on who the opponent is. So you may have a different look in your secondary, a different mix in terms of active and also snap counts when you're dealing with Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle versus when you're lining up against four wide and Kyler Murray in Arizona. And I, I think that's what they need. And fortunately, it's what they have in their secondary. Taylor Rapp um, should start again next to John Johnson. I think he's getting closer physically. But again, as insurance policies, it is huge. I mean, monumental that it looks like the Rams hit on both their rookie draft picks at safety yeah. in Fuller and Burgess. One, because I think they'll contribute early and often on special teams in defense. And also because when you see the contracts that are now going out to safeties, which was not the case a year <laughs> or two ago, right. most recently Buda Baker and Adams will be coming and Harrison Smith. When you see those numbers and you know what the salary cap reality is for the Rams, Look, I want to see John Johnson playing horns his whole career, but that may not be math that you can make work. I think they feel much better about the fact that there are two viable starters behind him now. J.B. Long, join us here at SoFi Stadium. You mentioned the variety that you're going to get in the NFC West. I'll ask you the same thing I asked Kirk a minute ago. Is this the best division in the NFL, and who's the team to beat as we start the season? Uh, you know, I, I'm biased, but I think it is. I mean, I think you have four teams, especially with uh, the expanded playoff format, that I wouldn't be surprised to see any of them make it. I would be surprised if only two instead of at least three made it. Um, I, I'm sure there are some other divisions that, that would probably try and make that claim as well. Um, anytime you have a, a division with the Kansas City Chiefs and the reigning world champions in it, I'm sure that, that they would have a very strong case. I think the NFC South is always intriguing and only got stronger this offseason. Um, but I think the combination of the West and also the cross schedule that the Rams play, especially front-loaded as it is with East Coast trips in early time zone windows, without the benefit of staying back east anymore between those games in Philadelphia and Buffalo because of the pandemic, means that the Rams better be ready to roll as much as any of the 31 other opponents because their front end is grueling. And if you come out above water even like three and two through five, you've got a great opportunity. If you stumble early, then you're going to get into your division schedule, and that's where it might really hurt. I hadn't thought about the pandemic. You're right. that Usually when they would go east for a couple of weeks in a row, they would stay back there, but obviously not an option right now. JB, it was great to hear your voice. We're looking forward to hearing you on Sunday night coming up here in a couple of weeks, and it's just nice to have football back, isn't it? I mean, when you think about the fact that we could wake up tomorrow morning two weeks away from playing a game that counts in this facility – the obstacles that have been overcome, and many of them are tragic, I don't take lightly, but I sure hope that we get to pay it off with Cowboys-Rams on Sunday Night Football. Very well said. J.B. Long, voice of the Rams. Lindsey Theory is going to join us next. That's coming up on the Rams 2020 preview special on 710 ESPN. All right, Rams having a scrimmage today. Believe it or not, just 15 days away from the season opener, Sunday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys. Joining us here from the radio broadcast spot will be Lindsay Theory. She, of course, covers the Rams for ESPN, covers the NFL as well. Lindsay, how are you doing? Doing great. How can you not be great when you're in this place? I, I was. That's where I was going to start. I mean, I've asked everybody, Kirk and I, during every break, we keep looking at each other. This place is just extraordinary. Your initial reactions, I know this isn't your first time seeing it, but this time seeing it. Yeah, I think it continues to be this video screen and how amazing it is. Uh, earlier, I was trying to eat some lunch, and I was just staring at the screen. I had some people wait. <laughs> at me and I was just so mesmerized by what was going on um, I, I mean the thing that I keep coming back to with this stadium is that I think they really just hit all the right 
notes on, on its spectacular, and yet it's there's not too much going on. It's not overdone, um, but I, I just think it's awesome. You know, you've covered this team uh, throughout training camps before, and it's always been fans around. There's been a lot of juice around training camp, and this training camp has been a lot different. No fans have been allowed, and you've seen, I think, a a quiet training camp, and there's not a lot of energy. And how have the players, do you think, kind of bought into not having the fans in a normal training camp like we've seen before? I think it's tough. I mean, a lot of the players, uh, they have mentioned there's no fans. They're used to walking in and having people cheering for them, people staying after training camp, wanting those autographs. It's a natural energy boost. I think it's taken a lot more kind of mental dedication this year to really stay in tune, stay in touch, because training camp does have, even though it's been a short period in pads, it really kind of has dragged on for these guys. Don't forget they had the act period. They had to go through all the testing protocol to even get started on the field. Uh, so this is really kind of dragged on, and now is the time when they really need to kind of focus in. Uh, season's only two weeks away. <laughs> Lindsay Theory covers the Rams for ESPN. Lindsay, pandemic-related things aside, the number one story for this team coming into the season is what? I think it's moving on from Todd Gurley. I mean, without a question, he has dominated. He has powered this offense the last five years. Of course, he had a, a decline in production last season, but nevertheless, uh, when you thought of the Rams, you thought of Todd Gurley when opposing defensive coordinators had a plan for the Rams. They had to really, really account for him in the backfield. That, of course, made Jared Goff's job a little bit easier. So this year, without Todd, and then with an offensive line where there's still a few question marks, they've looked better today, uh, but they, they had a really tough time in the last scrimmage against Aaron Donald. Um, so I think that's really kind of the focus on how this offense is going to go. Defensively, though, new defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, he's had some new guys to really actually work with. Actually, everybody's new to him, but having some younger players that he's had to basically count on at the linebacking position, the second level, and especially in the secondary, you know, not having the Eric Weddles back, not having the Nikhil Roby Coleman's. How do you see this defense now that Brandon has kind of put out there? Yeah, I think the uh, the secondary has probably been a pleasant surprise through training camp. Um, of course, they're going against their own team. They kind of right. know what to expect from this offense. So it's a little hard to gauge from that sense. But Terrell Burgess and Jordan Fuller, the two rookies, they've been getting a ton of time because Taylor Rapp's been out with a knee issue. Uh, they have been a pleasant surprise. Uh, I think Micah Kaiser is a guy that they felt confident in last season before he had the torn pec. Uh, so it's been tonight or today, I should say, nice to see him get a play out there during this scrimmage but I, I think he will be probably better than what some fans maybe expect there at the inside position uh, I, I'm still curious to see really about the pass rush um, yeah. of course Aaron Donald gets home so that quick helps. you know yeah. that, that it helps <laughs> uh, but I'm really curious to see I mean, Samson Ebucom uh, Leonard Floyd Terrell Lewis really how those guys step up Lindsay you and I talked about this on the morning show a couple of weeks ago and we're looking at the field goal team right now that John Fossil was such an, an integral part of this team, a special teams coordinator. We know that Greg Zerline is gone, and this was an area where the Rams really excelled. Since they've come back to Los Angeles, this has been their most consistent unit, one of their highest performing units. How different will it be this year now that not only Zerline's gone, but John Fossil's gone too? It's going to be a lot different. I mean, John Fossil provided so much energy, and of course all the guys have been really supportive of their new special teams coordinator, John Bonamago, but, but John Fossil has been really like the heart of this team since 2016. I mean, he was the interim coach for a while that season he brought energy he brought something a little different to team meetings um so that's that's i what i would consider a big loss for this team and then obviously greg zerline uh can't tell you how many times in the past jared goff has said hey once we crossed that 50 we knew we were in position to score because of greg zerline uh, so anytime you kind of usher in a new kicker 
you don't know exactly what is his range when it really comes down to it in game time. I'm looking at these kickers now, and I'm still not confident, Lindsay. So, and, I know. And I, was just, I was just looking at the board. <laughs> don't look at that last one. Three for five, four <laughs> yeah. for six. And we're in a scrimmage in an empty stadium. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. And I knew today was going to be very important for Sean McVay trying to figure out who would be that kicker because this is the last time that he'll be able to watch these kickers in this environment, in this stadium. When, when they come back here on, on the 13th, it's for real. And so, in your honest opinion, Lindsay, do you think the Rams have their kicker currently on that roster, or will they be highly look out for someone that's out there on the street right now? I did see Stephen Hauschka get released yeah. this week, so you that did. is another veteran option. But with Bones stealing Greg Zerline to the Cowboys, I, I don't know if the Rams have their kicker on their roster right now. You know, I don't know if they do, but here's the thing that makes this season so hard is how do they go find one? They're not seeing anybody else kick in the preseason. Right. So do you, do you kind of have a bird in the hand in one of these three guys, or do you go out there not truly knowing how other kickers are doing in other camps just because you don't have the film of them? Without preseason, and, and Sean McVay has done it relatively uniquely over the last couple of years where the regulars really haven't played at all. And you get some opportunities in some you know some, some practices against some other teams. Those don't exist this year either. So those first couple of games, maybe the first quarter of the season, what is it going to look like? Is it going to look a little rough around the edges, not just for the Rams, but across the league in general? Oh, no, without question. Across the league in general, it's going to look a little bit rough. Uh, it's, again, like I mentioned, by the time you get to this point in camp where you put pads on, maybe the defense does have a little bit of a jump on the offense because they've seen these guys. They know what to expect. Um, as far as the offense goes, they know what their defensive tendencies are. Uh, so without and it, no real-life tackling as well. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a little rough around the edges for the Rams, but I, they're far from in the boat alone. I mean, that's, that's across the entire league. You know, Lindsay, I know you cover the Chargers as well a little bit, and is this still a, a battle for L.A.? And then now that the stadium is built, now that we were here, we're watching it, is it still a battle for L.A.? You know, it's so interesting. I I don't have a really good gauge on that. Um, obviously, I'm so entrenched with the Rams that I have such a pulse on this. I did cover the Chargers a little bit this summer in – the most unusual circumstances on Zoom. Um, <laughs> I mean, talk about just dropping in and being like, hey, uh, Coach Lynn, I'm so-and-so, and I'm never actually going to shake your hand. I mean, just totally bizarre. Uh, but, you know, the Chargers have some exciting stuff going on with them right now. I mean, they got the sixth-round pick with Justin Herbert. Yeah. They have Joey Bosa, who's the most uh, – richest NFL defensive yes. player in history now. I mean, he's making a ton of money. So I, I think the Chargers, they're in a really tough division with the Chiefs, so it's always going to be tough. As far as in L.A., I think really these two teams are kind it's kind of like Lakers-Clippers. They cater a little bit to different fan bases. Chargers are down in Orange County. Rams are in Ventura County. Uh, you know, so I, Kirk, you put me in a tough spot. I'm no, not no, picking I, one or the other. No, I, well, I never thought about it like that. Like, the Chargers are more like an Orange County, San Diego Steel fan base where I think the Rams have really got the Los Angeles toward up to Ventura yeah. County. It's, it's that, almost like a kind of a line, a little divide. Let me just throw this out there. As a resident of Orange County, as a resident uh -oh, of South uh -oh. Orange County, <laughs> I haven't seen a Charger flag, a T-shirt. Yeah. I mean, it just I, – I know they're here, and I, I hope that they do great too. It would be loved, you know, much like the Clippers and the Lakers right now, kind of on a collision course headed for a, a Western Conference final. It would be great to have them both great. The Chargers still, to me, feel like they don't even play here. You know, I – take a walk in the South Bay, try to every day, get my steps in, uh, you see more and more Ram stuff popping up. You definitely do. I mean, from when they first came in 2016, it was like, 
you didn't even know the NFL was in town. And now daily, you see just more and more stuff, whether it's flags, T-shirts, or hats. Uh, the Chargers, I, I admittedly have to say, at least in my part of the neighborhood, yeah. uh, you see something and you're surprised because it's a rare sighting. So let, let's go to some of the guys that are not here. Obviously, there was a ton of ter- – Todd Gurley, probably the biggest name that left. But on the other side of the ball, Corey Littleton, an incredibly important part of what they did. Dante Fowler, you could say the same thing about him. Who's going to be the toughest piece to replace as you see it? Uh, I think Corey Littleton. I mean, he called the defense. Uh, he worked his way up, right, from an undrafted player to a defensive standout. Uh, anytime you're inside linebacker, right, you're going to yeah. probably lead the team in tackles. It's kind of a natural uh, position there for that to happen. But he really – made plays the last couple of years when this team needed plays the most. So I, I think Corey, um, outside of that, Dante Fowler had his most productive season um, that they could have absolutely hoped for. I mean, he's a former first-round pick. They took on him. It was a bit of a risk, and they made the most of it. So he was able to uh, provide that pass rush. Again, some of that does happen when you have Aaron Donald playing inside. So it'll be interesting to see if these guys can kind of take over that Dante Fowler role. Lindsey Theory covers the Rams and the Chargers via Zoom for ESPN. <laughs> Lindsey, appreciate Appreciate you coming by. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. All right, Kirk, we'll talk about some of the other divisions in the NFL, some of the other best teams in the NFC, that playoff field that we might be seeing, believe it or not, starting to come together two weeks from tomorrow. That's all coming up on the Rams 2020 preview special on 710 ESPN.